Hello and welcome to the third series of the Bold Flavors podcast. I'm Timo, founder and CEO of Gusto. At Gusto, our vision is to be the most loved way to eat dinner and we currently deliver millions of meals every week. Our purpose is to build amazing products that have positive impact on people and the planet and we are customer and culture obsessed. From every episode, you can expect frank and fascinating conversations on leadership, what makes a person tick and scaling businesses. Since starting Gusto in 2012, I've spoken with so many amazing, inspirational and talented people who have shaped my thinking. This podcast is all about sharing some of these experiences with you. Today, I'm talking to Rishi, who founded and scaled two hugely successful companies in the UK. Currently, he's the CEO and founder of Oak North, a fintech unicorn that has raised a huge amount of capital, including backing from SoftBank. Oak North is a highly profitable bank, but it's also a tech company licensing its data and technology platform to banks around the globe. In this episode, Rishi will talk about what he is doing differently being on this journey for the second time now, what motivated him to start again after the successful sale of his first company, and what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. Rishi, you started and scaled two highly successful companies. But before we delve in, where did you actually grow up? So I grew up in, in, in the UK, just outside London, born just outside London. And I've lived all my life pretty much within, I guess, 30 miles of where I live today. How was growing up like? Growing up, growing up was, look, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, I'd spent afternoons, um, riding my bike for two, three hours after school. It was, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty good childhood, but coupled with that, I, I guess I, I also enjoyed coding. Like I think everyone else did at that, at that time. So starting with a BBC 32 K and then, and then moving on from that to like the 8086, et cetera. So I would say, um, my afternoons were out biking and my evenings were, were in front of a monitor. Amazing. And if you think about your values today, what do you think, you know, links back to your parents, to your upbringing? I mean, look, my, my father, you know, he had, he had a job and he was building his own company. So his own company, he was building in the evenings and at nights and, you know, he'd be up till 1, 2 a.m. every day and out, out the door at 6 a.m., 30 a.m. And I just saw incredible work ethic an incredible focus, both on work ethic and family values. And those were the two things which I would say are incredibly strong, strongly ingrained in, 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 in what, who I am today. Okay. So risk-taking, work ethics, ownership, focus, um, really fascinating. What did you then decide to study? So I actually decided to, to study initially um, economics and then accounting and finance uh, at, at university. And interestingly enough, I actually stopped coding from probably the age of like 13 or something wow. and, and very much focused on, on, on finance. And, and, and that's where I'd say I, I spent the early part of my career. Talk me through the early parts of your career. What, what was your first job like? 
Um, so my first job was investment banking, um, working 16, 17, 18 hours a day, Sounds six, familiar. six and a half days a, a week. And the highlight of that was being stuck in the basement of the <laughs> Polish insurance company for three months. And and what was actually, what was incredibly insightful about that period is that I actually saw a transaction from so a large advisory transaction from beginning to end. And it was just so clear on actually how much of, of I guess, running transactions like that and, and delivering for clients is a combination between what insights you drive, but also just how you manage individuals and personalities and dynamics, et cetera. That, that, was, my, that was my first introduction in terms of into the commercial world as such. Really fascinating. And how long did you then stay before you started the first company? So, so interestingly enough, I actually only stayed in pure banking for about just over a year. And then I went to GE Capital into their um, in-house acquisition group, their corporate group. And I did that for just over a year. And then from there, I went into uh, the family, uh, helping set up the family office of an entrepreneur and actually doing venture investing for him, which, which I, I did on a full-time basis for, again, just, just shy of probably a year and a half or something. And then from there, I started my own business. I carried on doing the venture investing and then managing the book, sort of about three and a half years, just over three and a half years from the point where I graduated to the point where I started, started my first business. Uh, what was kind of the key insight into you in terms of, you know, did you get bored easily or did you not want to work for a boss? Like what, you know, you, you left quite early. You know what? It was, it, it was a, um, <laughs> I've always had a grand vision in terms of what I want to achieve. And I, I viewed each role, which I did as a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And I figured that I have an incredibly steep learning curve in any of these organizations over the first five, six, seven, eight months. But by nine, by month nine, 10, 11, 12, my learning curve sort of flattens pretty substantially. And, and that's why I was, I was literally on a, um, on a rampage to get as much experience as I could, knowing that ultimately I want to set up my own business and, and build my own business. So in my view, I viewed all that as continued education rather than as such building a career. That really resonates. I mean, I, um, I needed a bit longer than you, um, but I spent just under two years in investment banking, then under two years in a hedge fund, and then set up my own company and, and always had this, this vision and belief, I want to start a business. Um, so that really resonates. And so what was yeah. kind of the kernel idea for the first startup? So, so for the first startup, it was really simple. It was, it was, it was saying that um, my own experience and, in investment banking and, and my business partner who actually was at the LSE together and we did our master's together in accounting and finance, his experience at, at, in, in consulting was that for the first couple of years, you do relatively basic work and you do, mm-hmm. and, and it's done in a very how can I put it in a cottage industry type manner? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's done to very variable quality. And our view was, you know what, if we can just take that function 
and actually just rethink the work product and the outcomes which get needs to get delivered and and the purpose of that function is being is delivering we could probably create a pretty interesting business so create something which is much more sort of process driven much more structured organized to deliver the same outcomes and and given that sort of my business partner had the consulting experience i had the banking experience we both we both sort of at least knew what it looked like from from a very sort of close proximity so that was the original idea to say you know what we're going to just change the way that 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 whole function plays and i mean the idea is great how long did it actually take for you to feel like you're succeeding <laughs> Timo, that was brutal. And you know how that goes, right? I yeah. mean, <laughs> the, the, the post facto normally doesn't go into how brutal the, those initial days were. So we kicked off the business um, at the end of 2002. 2004, well, 2003, the revenue was less than the salary that I was used to drawing. In 2004, we were in a position where we were maybe making a, like a little bit more than than our combined previous salaries in revenue and still hadn't taken a, a, a pound out or a dollar out in terms of own salaries and 2005 was when my wife sort of looked at looked at us and sort of said okay you're starting to get somewhere now um, <laughs> and i tell you those days those are tough days. Uh, I mean, like to have the conviction and to continue operating and running when all the signs around you are saying, you know, what? Or, or let me rephrase that. All the numbers around you are saying you're not, you're not delivering and you're not making right. But you have the conviction that you will actually get through and you will build. That was just so important to actually stay in the test of time. And how, like what helped kind of keep confidence, you know, keep resilience levels? Like, well, how did you make it through these dark times? So look, it, it was, it was clearly, so a, a few things. And so number one, I always believe you only ever have a plan A, you don't have a plan B because as soon as you say to yourself, you've got a plan B, mm. you won't work hard optimizing your plan a and making sure you deliver it so so the clear view that there is no going back that was that hunger to actually create and build was the single biggest factor in actually seeing it the way through and 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 ultimately i would say that you know there there were many <laughs> there were many mornings that you know to start the day i'd literally have to bite my towel in the morning just to get ready for the day because everyone around you wouldn't necessarily have the conviction that, that you would have. So, so to bring them on the journey just required an incredible amount of sort of evangelism on a continuous basis, just driven by your own hunger and, and conviction. And how big did the business then get? So we scaled to 3,000 employees. Wow. Um, so it's a, it, was a, it was a reasonably big business operations in about 12 countries. And we were supporting all top 10 of the global investment banks, a number of the major asset managing for asset management firms, consulting firms, et cetera. So we really, we really did build into, into the vision that we originally had. What did you learn about yourself? Like lots of people start businesses, not many people scale businesses to 3000 people. That's a huge company. But what did you learn about yourself, your leadership style, you being a CEO of a large company? 
So first of all, I don't think I've ever viewed us having built a large company. So it's still very <laughs> modest in terms of like our, our uh, achievements. But what, what did we learn? I mean, look, I would say that for both Joel and I, the the learning in terms of leadership approach has evolved so much from those early days of, of building the first business to where we are today. I mean, so the first business did actually, we did a lot by ourselves. There was a lot of clear grit. We were always in the trenches, which you know we still are. But building an incredibly strong team around you is also incredibly hard, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I would say we've we've learned the importance of that through the last years of of building our previous business, which was called Copal, and and those that really set us up for building Oak North in that manner from the ground up rather than at Copal, like we had a very thin management team until literally the last two, three years where we started to, to sort of um, bring, in, bring, bring in the right level of people to be able to, to help take us to the next level. But the early years, you know, it was a very thin team which was supporting the business. And then in November 2011, you sold the business. How was that like? You built it up for such a long time. It finally succeeded. You had so many hard days in the early days. Like how, how you know, talk us through kind of the emotional decision-making. Sure. So, so November 2011, we actually did the first transaction of selling some of our equity, but we actually exited the business in November 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we sold um, the chunk of our equity. And that experience, I, I remember very, very clearly and very vividly the, when the money had cleared and I was just like, it was an incredibly empty day. I was, <laughs> I never felt poorer because in a way I like, we didn't have a business, right? So yes, we had a good amount of money in the bank, but we never had a business behind us. And it was just a very empty day. Uh, but, le- but let's be clear, like, you know, it's not like we took off any time. We were, we were straight into building Oak North. So a lot of that, that energy, the switch was really tough as well. Going, going a second time round is really tough. But, but sort of the fact that we went immediately meant there was emptiness, but we were clear that we were on a, a mission to build something much, much larger. And also the Oak North business for us has an incredible purpose in terms of actually, you know, helping gain funding for the missing middle. And for us, there was the, the dual aspect, which, which drove us both creating an excellent business in, in Oak North, but also one which has strong purpose. But what actually motivates you to build a second business right after the first one? What's what's kind of driving you at that point? I, I I'm not very good as an unemployed board individual. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you could have um, become an angel investor, living on an island, enjoying yeah. yourself for five years playing tennis. I don't know. <laughs> like you clearly decided, you know, to start the next thing right away. So so the interesting thing is because my time at the family office. I was doing venture investing and I was venture investing in the Valley, in, in, in the UK and in India. And I, I spent a lot of time, and this was through 99, 2000. So it was an incredibly crazy time. But I spent a lot of time with some phenomenal entrepreneurs. And I also spent time with phenomenal venture investors. 
And I said to myself at that point that actually, you know what, doing venture as a, as an occupation, as what you do is something which maybe I come back to when I'm like 70 years old or 60 years old. <laughs> right. But it's like all the actions in operating, like it, it, once you've operated, you're at the cold face. You like, you feel the heat. It's like the adrenaline. It's just like, there's so much fun and there's so many ups and downs when you're in the venture space, you're like two steps away from the action. And, and you know what? I, I, I love the action. And so you said starting a business the second time was so hard. Like why, why was it so hard? And what playbook did you have from selling the first business that, that you were kind of applied? Yeah. So, so the reason why I said it's so hard is like when in the first business, we had no money, we had nothing to lose <laughs> and we knew we needed to make it work. Otherwise we wouldn't put food on the table. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that, I mean, that survival instinct drives you incredibly hard. Right. As soon as you've got, you know, a little bit of money in the bank and you, you sort of are in a position where, you know, you probably don't need to work for, for the rest of your life to get the same hunger, to be willing to do the same things, to build a business with the same frugality, because again, at least, at least for me in both of our businesses, frugality has been imperative to create the right discipline. So the first business we used a cumulative $60,000 to build the whole business. So we bootstrapped it in an incredibly sort of rigorous manner. So to make those same sacrifices the second time round, where, you know, you say to yourself, I could actually roll up my sleeves and do this, or I could just go and hire someone, or I could just go and hire a consultant. And to make the right choice, which is go and do it yourself and, and, and get a team which is focused on doing the same thing and build build the right way from, from the beginning and, and have the same hunger. I, I would say it took me, it took me probably like two, three months to get my head into the right uh, space to be able to actually actually play that through in the right way, which I think is imperative for building the right DNA in, in an organization. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And if you, if you theoretically, and sorry for putting you on the spot, but if you ever sold Oak North, I know the mission is not complete. You've got really, really big goals, but if you were to exit the, the second business, like what additional learnings would you take into the third one? Having been on this journey with Oak North now for the last six, seven years. So let me, I'm, I'm going to tweak the question, then I'll answer it, right? <laughs> which, <you>. is, <laughs> which is, um, if I wanted to do something, Timo, like, like you've, you've boldly done, which is sort of say, I've got an operating business here, which is going um, amazingly, but you know what? I see additional value in some other space, which is adjacent. And I want to take what I'm doing and, and, and sort of monetize in a different way, which clearly at Oak North we've done as well. But if there was another one of those to play through, how would I approach that? I think, look, it, it's, there, there are a couple of things. Sort of building a good team and getting good people is always tough. But I would say getting the entrepreneur who's really going to build and, and, and has the, how can I put it, the mindset of an entrepreneur is even tougher. So I would say that being very hands-on, imperative, but also having a team around you which is strong and is fundamentally and feels fundamentally empowered to deliver, but empowered with the support 
of the entrepreneur because company building, business building is tough, right? I mean, it's um, mm-hmm. especially building in a way where where you're putting in all the right sort of habits to to be able to scale. So, so getting strong people, we all make the mistake on hiring, right? And mm-hmm. you know, we made plenty of mistakes on hiring uh, in Oak North in the early days. Um, I mean, we churned like a number of senior people in the team, like over the first you know, 12, 24 months. And, and again, it's just like, take your time to hire, you know, at, uh, at some points you say to yourself, anyone's better than no one, but generally <laughs> I've been there. they aren't because the undoing what they've done is going to be more painful than not having them in place. So, so taking your time over hiring, making sure you're bringing people, empowering those people, but also, uh, as I said, making sure that you, you do have that entrepreneurial grit um, built in and holding everything together from day one. Love those points. Thank you. What does it take to be a successful entrepreneur? I'm still learning, Timo. <laughs> I know it's such a hard question, but like if you if you think a little bit about the skills, the traits, the values, yeah. the beliefs, so like look, what comes I, to mind? I have to say the single biggest thing for me is hunger. Yeah. Right? You need to have that 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 burning desire in your stomach to sort of say that there is no plan B. I am going to make this work. And I'm going to, you know, I'm fundamentally going to to make this happen. So, I mean, with with, with any of us, I mean, uh, I think we 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 live, breathe, sleep our businesses, right? I mean, you know, uh, as I always like to say this to the team, I, I I do some pretty good thinking while I'm asleep, right? Because my <laughs> mind doesn't stop on this. Sounds um, very familiar, yeah. So it's, uh, it's 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 that trait, and I think the only thing which can make you so obsessed is fundamentally, like I said, the hunger to actually deliver. And if you look at the, the company today, big team, amazing leadership team, lots of great, great folks. What is it that only Rishi can do? <laughs> I couldn't possibly answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll ask the team. No, but you know, if you, how, how are you actually spending your time? Maybe that's a more appropriate question. So look, I mean, it, it again goes back to that that entrepreneur's mindset, right? Which is to see things, to help people formulate the ability to look around corners, to connect dots, to deal with sort of situations which we haven't come across. The, the upside of hiring great people is you hire great people who have experience. The downside of hiring great people who have good experience is they don't go into anything with a beginner's mindset. And being able to step back and ask those really basic questions and in a way reevaluate why you're doing what or why does that make sense or even better what's the customer pain point you're trying to address mm-hmm. and how could you address that customer pain point not even thinking in an anchored way on the on on, on the pre-existing experiences the individuals have that sort of helping helping individuals make that transition from being from being domain experts where they have um, dogma around a particular area to being actually having that beginner's mindset where where you know you can have a very open approach to to any situation question um, opportunity I think is 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 probably one of the biggest areas that that I'm spending my time on. 
Yeah, it's a really fantastic point. So kind of growth mindset, mental flexibility, thinking outside the box, being creative, taking risk in a sensible way. Yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, and just on culture, you know, you you clearly are a bank, but you clearly are a tech company. How does that play out inside the organization? So look, I think that the culture of Oak North is very much one around ultimately servicing and delighting a customer. The customer base for for our bank, um, for our financing business, are, are other entrepreneurs, small, medium-sized organizations. And the customer base for our software business, um, our credit intelligence product, is, is, is fundamentally other commercial banks, right? So in a way... The, the the institution which you'd sort of say has a would be expected to have a more traditional culture, i.e. the bank, is actually interacting with with the entrepreneurial community, whereas the one which which is you'd expect to have a a, a much uh, totally different culture, i.e. the software business, is interacting with a very let's say um, incumbent mindset of customer. So so you you, you look across. There are different tweaks to the cultures between uh, the software business and um, the financing business, but fundamentally, there, there are very, very, very strong common themes in terms of actually what makes um, what makes someone succeed at Oak North, and and ultimately, sort of values such as um, such as trust, such as working as one team, such as um, sort of uh, being open to zero basing, sort of saying it as it is. I mean, th those are all examples of values which we which we live and breathe by uh, across the organization on, on, a, on a daily basis. Very powerful. And Rishi at age 75, how does success look like? Like, what's what's the dream? Do you want to run a business? Do you want to sit on ten boards? Be a VC? You mentioned that before. Like, how does how does success really look like? Hey, Timo, come on, we're living the dream. <laughs> Absolutely. I, what I type love of question is that? I, I want to be productive until I'm ninety, but you know, it's personal. <laughs> I, I, so I felt sorry, like I sorry. My objective, my objective is to live till I'm 140, and you know, <laughs> by the age of 120, maybe I'll need to slow down. I just need to figure out how we're going to get there. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. Are you exercising on a regular basis? Of course you I are. Mean, of course. Of course, everyone <laughs> you need is. To take care of the mind, the body, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just as a final question, like what's, how do you stay mentally sharp? So you're exercising, you're taking care of your body, you're eating well, but you know, what are you reading? Do you have a coach? Kind of how, how do you stay stimulated? So, so I, um, so let me answer that in two ways. I mean, for me, I, I started sort of both yoga and meditation three years ago. And I, I mean, in terms of giving clarity of thought, the build, what it teaches you is the ability to compartmentalize and sort of, in a way, in a way, own your mind. So rather than letting your mind run off, actually be able to focus on different things at different times and, and sort of decide what you're where your mind is spending time. Mm -hmm. um, so that's incredibly important. Outside of that, look, reading for me is something which if uh, the one thing where, uh, where I'd say I, I disappoint myself 
is that I love reading and I learn so much from reading. And so this summer I, I, I ended up traveling a reasonable amount and I was in time zones, which allowed me to read. And I probably read like, you know, whatever, six books, seven books in a period of like three weeks. And I haven't been able to get through another full book since then. So, so for me, uh, reading is absolutely the way that you, you sort of bring in. And because again, you connect dots, right? Because it's sort of like you, you read on across across subjects and topics, and there's just so much to learn. And and ultimately, uh, this cross fertilizing ideas in my mind is, is is how you put together. As I like to say, you pick strings from different places and you knit them together. So 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 that's in terms of expanding the mind. Fiction or nonfiction? <laughs> all all nonfiction. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. I'm trying really hard to get into fiction, but somehow it's it's really difficult. Uh, I keep I keep fiction for bedtime stories. Nice, nice. For the kids. Nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. It's been really fun. I know you're a busy man, so I let you go, but really appreciate the time. No, Timo, thank you and congratulations on all your success. Really amazing to watch what you're doing. 